Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It's good to be back with you after taking uh, a week off. And we are still in the midst of our sermon series called The Pursuit of Meaning. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. But as part of the sermon series, we've been focusing on Moses in the Hebrew scriptures. So let me read uh, from Exodus 3. Uh, this is chapters, or verses rather, 1 through 12. So hear these words. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So a couple of years ago, actually about five years ago, I was driving around on the north side of Chicago in a neighborhood called Lakeview. Specifically, I was driving around in an area of Lakeview called Boys Town. Uh, for those who don't live in Chicago, Boys Town is a uh, part of the city where there is um, stereotypically a large LGBT population. I don't know. I haven't looked at the data and census on that. I don't know if that's exactly true, but uh, certainly that's what it's known for. And I was driving around in Boys Town in the month of June. And June, as some of you may know, is Pride Month. At the end of June, often that's when there's a big uh, Pride Week, Pride Parade, uh, not just in Chicago, but throughout the country. So as I was driving around uh, Boys Town in June, it had just finished raining on that particular day. And there were still some clouds, some rain clouds, and then a rainbow came up out of the sky. And so I looked up, uh, I had parked the car, I can't remember where I was walking, but I parked up, I looked at the sky, saw the rainbow, and then I noticed it was a double rainbow. And again, for those who don't know, of course, the rainbow is a, a symbol for the LGBTQ population or community. Uh, and so it just all kind of hit me at once that uh, here I was in uh, Boys Town, uh, in June, Pride Month, and here was a double rainbow. Rainbow, of course, also is a symbol uh, that we read about in the Hebrew scriptures of a covenant that God makes with uh, the first uh, people. And so I got, took a picture of the double rainbow, 
and put it on Facebook and said something, and I'll put this picture on the Podbean page. I said something to effect that uh, there are those who look for signs that uh, God is against the LGBTQ population because of certain tragedies that may befall our country. But uh, if a double rainbow happens in June, I'm taking this as a sign that God is okay with the gays or something like that. Uh, and it got a lot of responses and a lot of people uh, saw the um, both the, maybe the beauty, but also the humor in that particular picture and statement. Uh, but it's interesting when I put that up there in this whole notion of signs and where do we look for signs in the world? And all of us will see things perhaps happening in our own lives or in the country, and we will believe this, this is a sign that God believes X. And sometimes we're serious about it. Sometimes we may be joking or half joking. But why is this so important to us? Why do we look for signs? I think certainly when we worship a God who is certainly mysterious, that we can't tangibly touch, we want to know that it's real. We want to know that God is real. So we look for signs. We want some evidence that God is working in the world. But you could also argue that looking for signs is certainly very biblical. One example, Psalm 86, 17 says, Lord, show me a sign of your favor so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame. The Gospel of John is often called the book of signs because uh, the author of, this gobble, of this, author of this gospel keeps commenting on examples of Jesus' works, how they were signs that pointed to Jesus' true nature. So we are not alone in our desire to look and desire signs that God is out there, that God is doing, that God is working, that God is present. Maybe one of the most famous signs in the scriptures, anyway, is one that we read about in today's passage from Exodus. It's the burning bush. Whenever we think about hard questions uh, or wonder what God is doing or how we are supposed to respond, we may say to ourselves, oh, if only there were a burning bush. If only there was something so clear, so evident, that we would know how to respond. Something obvious. We want God to pardon the pun, to stop beating around the bush and just get to it. One of the questions that we may ask ourselves, of course, and this ties into Moses, and it ties into this sermon series that I mentioned earlier about the pursuit of meaning. It's a deep, powerful question that I've heard many folks mention and, and say to me as we have been in the midst of this sermon series. One of the most existential questions there is, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is the meaning of of my existence. And when we wonder about that, we may take that question to God and, of course, ask for a burning bush to get our attention and spell it all out for us like God did for Moses. Lord, we just want a sign. So let me do a quick overview for those who may be not as familiar with Moses or if your only notion of Moses is Charlton Heston in the movie The Ten Commandments. Moses was born a Hebrew uh, a Levite, to be exact, but the king of Egypt, a.k.a. the Pharaoh, had ordered, had been nervous about the growing population of the Hebrews, so he had ordered that all Hebrew boys be killed. Moses' mother gave birth, and then, because of this edict from the Pharaoh, put this boy in a basket and sent him down the river. Moses was then found by, interestingly, the daughter of Pharaoh. And this may be perhaps one of the earliest examples of a biblical character giving sanctuary to an undocumented individual. But she takes him in. 
And so Moses grows up assuming that he's an Egyptian. But when he's a grown man, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. Something stirs within him, so much so that he kills the Egyptian. Word gets back to Pharaoh, and then Moses now is on the run. He's a fugitive. He settles in an area called Midian, which we read about today. Meanwhile, the Pharaoh eventually dies, and the cries of the Israelites about their slavery reach and move God, and God tries to figure out and discern who will lead my people. And as what often happens in the Bible, just when we think we know exactly what will happen, God turns things on their heads, and God decides that a fugitive would be an excellent candidate for leading my people to freedom. I don't know if God had been asking the big questions. I don't know if Moses wondered to himself as he lie awake at night, who am I? Why am I here? But here we have God showing up in a burning bush and spelling out what Moses' purpose is. I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is so clear-cut. Moses may not have liked what God said, and in fact, there's a lot of give and take if we were to continue reading throughout Exodus, and you may know the story that Moses gives a whole lot of reasons why he is not the right person for this job. But at least Moses knew the way. And for some, they may desire clarity, even though they may not like what their purpose or calling is. I think a lot of us struggle not so much with an unhappiness of where God has called us, but it's just simply the not knowing. What am I supposed to be doing? Why am I here? What is my purpose for being on this earth? Let me mention a few things here as we begin to reflect on and tackle this question. As we desire a burning bush. But I also want to point out a couple things. First, I want to read this passage to the beginning part of this passage again. It says that there an angel... of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of a bush. But it's interesting to note there's some mystery here. The bush doesn't, God's voice doesn't come through the bush right away. Instead, all we have is an angel of the Lord, not saying anything at first, appearing to Moses in a flame. Nothing has happened at this point. Moses simply looks. There's a bush blazing and it is not consumed. So there is not clarity right away. Instead, there is indeed some mystery, some wondering. And that's the thing, that's the thing that moves Moses to draw a little closer, to take a second look. So it's interesting and I think perhaps helpful for us to think about, there might be some mysterious things that move us, that shape us, that um, move us along to a place where we are putting ourselves in the position to actually listen to what God might be saying. And I'll talk more about that actually in my sermon next week. But for those of us who want clear-cut answers right away and we think that Moses is so lucky, not quite at first. There's a little bit of, now understandably, there's a burning bush that's not consumed is going to get anybody's attention, but at least initially there's an angel not saying anything. So it's important, I think, for for us to, to note that. I also want to note that the burning bush is certainly extraordinary, but there's also some ordinariness here too. Moses is simply tending sheep. He's doing his job. He is, I don't know if he's daily anxious, wondering if 
that those who are looking for him will eventually find him, but he is doing the everyday stuff. And that's the place where God begins to come to him. And also, it's important to note, I think, too, that Moses doesn't necessarily have a flashy comeback. God begins to speak to Moses in the everyday part of his life, and Moses says simply, here I am. Moses does not have a script. Uh, Moses does not have anything rehearsed. Moses does not have a soliloquy that he begins to mention, or a poem, or a hymn. Uh, We admire, if we look at the story of Jesus' birth, Mary says something very similar. She starts off by saying when she senses this call from God, and she says, here I am. And then she also includes a wonderful hymn. Moses doesn't do that. Moses just simply puts it out there. Something is weird happening here, but here I am. And let's see where this goes. Final thing to note about this way that God is coming to Moses is that it's very specific. What's the very first thing that God says? God says uh, says Moses' name, Moses. And I think hopefully that's another thing uh, too, that there is something very specific about who we are and what our relationship is with God. It is not some generic thing uh, that God calls us to do and to be about. I believe that God does, when we think about what our purpose is, that that can be a very specific thing. Every week uh, in my own time of devotion, I read a psalm, and this week I've been reading part of Psalm 139. For those who don't know it, I'm going to read the first five verses of it. It says, Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up, even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling and resting. You are thoroughly familiar with all my ways. There isn't a word on my tongue, Lord, that you don't already know completely. You surround me front and back. You put your hand on me. The psalmist says, God is thoroughly familiar with all my ways. So in moments when we are despairing and moments where we wonder, why am I here Hopefully, there is some comfort in the fact that what we are called to do is very unique and, I believe, aligns with who we are and what God sees in us. And not just us, but what God sees specifically in you. And this can happen and come to us in ordinary, everyday ways but also being very specific. Now, the downside of the inclusion of this story in the Bible is that the temptation is for all of us to look for burning bushes. We're looking for those grand signs. We're looking for those huge nudges from God saying, this is where we are supposed to go. I wonder if this might have been a better story if instead of a burning bush, this was a burning bush twig. Because I think our lives are made up of burning twigs, that is, small things, little wisps of smoke here and there that we can see. But we don't give these twigs credit because we keep waiting for the bush. We keep waiting for the grand sign, the big thing that comes from God. And when we only look for those things, we miss 
the ways that we can live into our purpose because we figure, well, that's not a burning bush. But I think there's something to be said for smoldering twigs too. Now there may be, and I think there is, an overarching purpose for you that gives meaning for your life. It is the big thing. But if all we do is wait for the big thing, the burning bush, we miss out on the twigs. Let me give you a couple of examples, actually three examples. Very short stories. But first, um, we just got back from a mission trip to Houston. And the house that we were working on, uh, a house that was uh, flooded, and it turned out to be uh, a a lesbian couple, Donna and Karen, and they have two sons. And the thing that impressed me so much about Donna was I don't think they go to church. I don't think they are uh, uh, people who, I I, I didn't ask, frankly, what their faith was. Uh, But the thing that impressed me about Donna is the way that she was so dedicated to her neighborhood. Some of her neighbors, I think, after the flood, understandably, decided to move, that they just couldn't handle living in this area anymore. But Donna and Karen are committed and decided to move back. And then, also, she is committed to the people who live in her neighborhood, uh, her literal next door neighbor, some of our group went over there one day to do some work on their house, but the neighbor, I think, felt a little uncomfortable with people helping out because, and I can get, I get this, the, he was proud. He wanted to do it himself. He didn't want any help. And Donna went over uh, and kind of said, you know, here are people who want to help. You need to let them help you. Uh, and at first I thought, I'd asked Donna, like, what her relationship was with him. And she says, oh, I, I, we have meals. And I figured, especially in Chicago, even though we live close to one another, I think many of us would admit that we don't really know our neighbors. And Donna says she has meals with him. And I figure this is like every once in a while. And Donna says, well, we have meals like every week. Like every week they get together. And then she kept talking about other restaurants that were now coming back to life and were popping up. And Donna said she calls the owners of these restaurants to check in on them, to see how they are doing, to see how can I help? How can we help you get going? Here is a person who is so dedicated, she is literally doing unto her neighbors as she would have them do unto you. I don't know if Donna looks for burning bushes, But there are little twigs here and there, weekly meals with her next door neighbor trying to get him to receive help, helping out restaurants in her neighborhood, just having pride in where she lives and trying her best to make sure that this is where she is maybe being called. I don't know if she would name it as such, but I kind of like to think that this is what God is moving her to do. I want to talk a little bit about my wife. I want to brag about my wife for a moment. I don't I don't really do this much in sermons, but uh, there's a woman at Urban Village uh, who has been with Urban Village from almost the beginning of the start of our community of faith named Dara. Uh, Dara um, has a pretty severe depression and makes it challenging for her to be out among people very often. She's uh, often at, at home alone. I can't remember how this came up, but about two or three years ago, uh, Anne started to reach out to Dara, uh, and it was simply a kind of consistent checking in. And now Anne will reach out to Dara, and they will go out to eat for lunch or for dinner, and Anne will give uh, Dara little gifts. 
uh, as a way to just build this relationship and remind Dara that she is not alone. Because I think for Dara, it can be very isolating and I'm sure makes it challenging to really build relationships when you are going through this and have this mental illness. I've never really uh, known if Anne has this big grand thing in her life, the burning bush, but here is an instance of a burning twig. Part of her purpose, I think, is to have this relationship with Dara. And then, on the flip side, Dara, even though it's hard for her sometimes to go out of her apartment, Dara also, I think, has a purpose and lives into that. Some of you may know, if you are Facebook friends with Dara, she is a big comic book fan uh, and will often post about the uh, excitement that she has about certain movies or TV shows that come out. Uh, and I've noticed, too, that she does this in a way that is very Christ-like. I must confess, I don't know the comic book world intimately. I like a good comic book or a movie, a superhero movie. Uh, but in what little I know, my hunch is it's not necessarily uh, the most friendly in the world toward folks who are Christians. Not, I don't know if there, there's antipathy toward them, but I know for me, it would be a really hard audience to begin to uh, try to communicate who God is in the world. But Dara, in the way that she posts and the fact that she lives out her faith, and does so in a way that I think is unobtrusive and yet sincere and authentic, this is Dara's way that she is also living out her purpose. I don't know if she ever sensed a burning bush. My hunch is no. But this is what she does and who she is. And in each of these ways, I think it is specific to who they are. God's purpose for each of these individuals matches up with their own gifts and graces, the things that they enjoy, the things that they're passionate about, whether it be uh, connecting with someone over a meal, or whether it might be a comic book, or whether it might be investing in their neighborhood. These are all very distinct, unique ways that they live into their purpose, even though someone on the outside might say, well, that's not really a burning bush kind of a thing. And it's not, perhaps. But it's being faithful. And it's listening. And it's sensing what God is saying in their own lives. It is fine to look for the burning bush. The big thing to try to figure out what our grand purpose is in life. But I don't want us to miss the twigs either. The little ways that God is moving within us, nudging us, to look who is in front of us and to say, this is your purpose. Today, this twig, this little seedling, this seemingly small thing, this is your purpose today. And as we continue to pray and wrestle and wonder and ask, God, what is my uh, purpose in life? Why am I here? May we also look for the ways that God is answering us and moving us in the day to day. How do I know that we're actually following, living into that purpose? I don't know. I don't know. Literally, I don't know. I think I am. I think I'm following. People might say, look at my career. Like, oh, of course you are. But each day I think, am I supposed to be doing this? None of us know for absolute certainty. That's where faith comes in. But I, as I hope you do too, look for the twigs and to see if they might be smoldering 
and then trust in the words that God said to Moses and the words that God continues to say to us today. I will be with you. And we can trust in that. Be thou my vision, well, friends, thank you uh, again for listening to this podcast. Um, as always, if you want to reach out to me to continue the conversation, you can do so. Uh, email is chris at urbanvillagechurch.org and Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. You can also listen to my other podcast, the Failing Boldly podcast, and that's on my website. And you can go there and um, occasional blog posts to christiankuhn.com. So, friends, until next week, I will be back next week. And so until then, uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. Be thou my wisdom and thou my truth.